Welcome, everybody, into this week's episode of the St. Martin's Athletic Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Burns, and joining us this week, special guest, veteran of the St. Martin staff, Chris Greger, the Associate Athletic Director. We'll be speaking to him later on about everything that he does for SMU Athletics. But first, let's go ahead and take a look back at last week's action. There was a lot going on across the board for St. Martins. And starting off, we were out at the golf course, the home course to be exact, where the Saints were hosting the SMU Preview Invitational. It was a loaded field, and the Saints had high expectations going into that day, and they absolutely met those, finishing second overall in the field. Unfortunately, the third round was canceled due to fog. I was out there at the golf course, and that was fog rolled in about one hole after we started the tournament, and it didn't want to leave till about noon, but by that point, it was too late to try and get that final round in, so it was called after two rounds, and the Saints finished second overall in the field. Tyler Fitchett led the way for SMU, shooting a 76-69-145 overall. That 69, he was only one of two golfers to break the 70 mark in the entire field. And that 69 was the second lowest in the field. Max Turnquist also tying him for seventh overall in the field with a 145. And Jordan Tarada with a 12th overall finish. He went 74, even par 72. The Saints had some big-time wins over schools like Western Washington. And it will help set the course as SMU will also be playing at the home course for the GNAC Championships later in April. And then hopefully as a team we'll be competing in the West Regional NCAA Tournament. Which will be out at the home course. It was a good showing for men's golf right away. That wasn't the only thing happening though on Tuesday. A last second add to the schedule. California Baptist, the Division I out of Southern California. Volleyball came up to Marcus Pavilion and got to take on the Saints. The Saints did fall in three sets to the Lancers, but there were some highlights for sure. Kylie Kuhn had herself a wonderful day. The sophomore connected on 12 kills. That was tied for the game lead. She hit 346 overall. Hitchcock coming through with 23 assists, and Kylie Alos with 10 digs in just three sets. The Saints Put up a good showing, especially in that second set, running it all the way, but eventually falling at the end, 25-23. to 23. Then on the road on Wednesday, men's soccer taking on a very good Seattle Pacific squad, and it was the Saints quickly jumping on the board, scoring in just the second minute. Jason Fairhurst punching home the first goal, and SMU took an early lead. The Falcons eventually were able to tie going into halftime, and then we came all the way down to the wire with it still tied 1-1. to And in the 89th minute, Stephen Murray picked a wonderful time to score his first ever career goal, scoring off of a bouncer off the keeper and punching in for the Saints, taking down the Falcons 2-1. to And they pick up their first win of the year. Congratulations 
to the men's soccer team on that huge win. And then the following day, women's soccer here at Lacey. And it was the Saints coming away victorious over Western Oregon, where the Saints had fallen in their first matchup 3-2. They come back and get revenge. Kirsten Matson continues her outpour, out, output of scoring, taking home her fourth straight goal for the Saints, a header off of a corner from Peyton Asselton, and the Saints blank Western Oregon and win one to nothing. Then over the weekend, we had men's baseball action taking on nationally ranked Northwest Nazarene. The Nighthawks were able to take four all four games against the Saints. Saints had opportunities throughout the weekend, but just unable to convert at the last moments. They had bases loaded to end the third game. They had the tying run at the plate, just unable to come through with that clutch hit. But the Saints had a lot of great performances across the board. And then men's and women's track and field at Puget Sound. That was a fun day to watch some track as we had some Great performances. Jack Farrell taking first place in both the 1,500-meter race and the 5,000-meter race. Michael Russell once again off a, a dominating performance the week before. He came through, capturing another title in the 200-meter dash, blowing away the competition nearly three-tenths of a second faster than the other competitors. He's been off to a red-hot start for the Saints. Saints also took first place in the men's 4x400 relay with a time of 3 minutes and 25 seconds. On the women's side, Cassidy Walchak-Sloan with a time of 4 minutes 54 seconds took second overall in the 1,500-meter er, race, cruising her way to a podium finish. Andrew Oslin was fifth in the men's 10,000-meter race. And Andrew Boyd took second overall in the high jump at 1.75 meters. The Saints overall as a team, or first of the women's 4 by 100 meter relay, also took first place with a time of 50.28 seconds, earning 10 points for the team. The Saints overall, the men finished third in the standings, and the women took home fourth place against a very crowded, very competitive field at Puget Sound. So all in all, a very successful, very entertaining week for the Saints. Great performances across the board, both individually and from the teams. Well, now let's go ahead and bring in our special guest, Mr. Chris Greger. Chris, thanks for joining us this week. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here, Austin. So 15 years here at St. Martin's. What, you know, kind of give a little bit of an insight as to what you do with compliance and budgets and games management. There's, you, you do just about everything. Give us a little bit of insight. Yeah, I mean, here at St. Martin's, we're a pretty small staff, um, which is a blessing and a curse. It's nice to do more than just compliance. As much as a person can love a NCAA rule book, it gives me an opportunity to expand on what my duties are and roles. So I get to go out to games, run games, interact with our alumni, interact with our students at the field, and just get experience and ability to see multiple different phases of the athletic department. 
it, it's been really nice. It gets a little hectic. As I said, we're a small staff trying to balance all those hats. But being here 15 years, you get to know the ins and outs. But that being said, there's been so much change in 15 years from what we do at games to what we do as a department for games, um, what we do with our student athletes, scholarships, budgets. So what we did 15 years ago is by no means what we're doing currently. Um, so there's always some change and adaptations going on and just trying to stay up with that. And like I said, end of the day, it's providing their student athletes with the best experience possible. And what can we do, whether we're a staff of 20 or a staff of four, to still provide them a legitimate Division II experience that they are proud of and really enjoy and that their family can see and enjoy as well. Well, you do a lot during a game day, and it's really helped, in the words of Athletic Director Bob Grisham, raise the bar here at St. Martin's. And and it's kind of been St. Martin's setting the, the standard across the GNAC as to what an event should look like for a Division II sport. And, and St. Martin's is now kind of becoming the home for a lot of GNAC championships. I think this might be news for some people, but SMU next year will be the host of the 2021 Cross Country Championships, the 2022 GNAC Basketball Championships, and the 2022 Softball Championships. Baseball will be coming in shortly as well here to the Saints. So clearly around the conference, people have taken notice of what St. Martin's can put on for an event. And you've been a huge integral part of that. You know, what does that mean for you, you know, being able to say, hey, this is when we put on an event, it, it's one of the best there is in the GNAC. I take full credit for all those events. <laughs> um, I do it all by myself and make sure all the events run amazingly single-handedly. That's not true. As small of a staff as we have, I think the basis at St. Martin's is we do put on the best event we can, and everyone is part of the team. Everyone chips in, so it's not just one person running it. It's not uh, Athletic Director Bob Grisham doing it and nobody else chipping in. We rely on our coaches for a large piece of helping out, our student-athletes, whether they're helping support, they're helping work events, they're participating in the events, that's what makes it really worthwhile. Long hours, being part of an event from 8 in the morning till 10 at night isn't always the funnest day. It gets to be long, but when you see the student-athletes and see the enjoyment that they get to play at home as compared to on the road, it definitely makes a lot of it worthwhile. But again, I think it's the mentality of everybody here in our administrative staff of doing whatever we can to provide the best experience possible. We've hosted the basketball before, so not that it's old hat, but we've gotten used to knowing what it takes to set an event and run an event for that. Cross country will be new. Uh, we, we host a cross country meet every year, but th this is above and beyond that. That being said, we'll, we'll rely heavily on Coach Brewer, who will be setting the course, marking it, as well as the student-athletes helping out. But I, I think, personally, I really look to how can I ease the coach's burden? How can I ease a student-athlete's burden so that they can focus on their own things? Coach Brewer is trying to coach. He shouldn't have to worry about running a meet. I mean, if he can help out and do stuff ahead of time, great. But Day of, hey, go be a coach. Let me take care of that. 
take that off your shoulders. So it's working and filling in those gaps and trying to, like I say, do the best event possible. Uh, with a lot of my friends and colleagues, I kind of compare it to the uh, ducks swimming on the uh, pond. The idea is that you see this duck and it looks great, just gliding along on the surface, everything's going fine, no problems. Underneath, the feet are going a, mile, a million miles an hour, and maybe that's what we're doing in the background. But if everyone else can see that it's a great event, there was no issues, didn't see that the Wi-Fi crashed four times, that teams had to be let in locker rooms three different times, all they see is that an event went off. Hopefully the Saints won. Hopefully the internet stream was perfect because we have great announcers like Austin Burns and Jeff Lucero. And that they get an experience where if they can't be in person, they can see it from home. But it's the idea that you present this great event and they may not see all the back works, but we make it work. Well, I'm sure Jeff Lucero, absolutely going to love to hear from his, his best friend and does, does a great job. And he does. He's one of the best there is. I'm going to go ahead and take a step back because you have a pretty interesting start to your career in sports. You got to work for the United States Olympic Committee in Colorado Springs in 2003. What was that like? What were some people that you got to interact with doing a job like that? Yeah, it it was a great experience for my undergrad doing an internship there for roughly six months. I ended up working in what they called at the time the internet marketing department. Going in, I didn't really even know what the internet marketing department really was, but it was a little bit of everything. The main duties was updating their website and posting stories, keeping up to date across all the events going on that the U.S. Olympic team had participants in and updating it, doing stories, interviewing people. Um, so I got the opportunity to actually live right there on campus for the Olympic Committee and see world-class athletes all day, every day, which ranged from Rulon Gardner in men's wrestling, a couple other men's wrestling that were in the residency program. Apollo Anton Ono actually lived right below me in the Olympic Committee residence halls. Lifelong idol of mine as a growing up a wrestler, I uh, got to interview Dan Gable because he came in and took over as the interim wrestling coach. So that was an amazing opportunity. And, and then just we hosted a boxing event and getting able to interview boxing. I believe I got to interview Andre Ward back in the day. And so seeing these people at the highest level of their events was pretty amazing. That's a pretty amazing story. Did you ever run into one of them like accidentally at the cafeteria or something like that? And you're like, oh, I'm standing next to an Olympic medalist. Like, no big totally. deal. Yeah, no, we, we would do that a lot. We didn't have a ton uh, of athletes, but like I said, Rulon Gardner was there pretty regularly. Apollo Ono was uh, always there. He lived there. Didn't really interact with us uh, lowly interns, but we got to see him a lot. And some of the other maybe smaller lesser known athletes like USA triathlon synchronized swimming had more uh, permanent based student athletes and not student athletes, but uh, athletes that we got to mo know more on a personal basis. Cause we were there 24 seven, they were there 24 seven, but yeah, it's crazy to live and eat right next to some of these amazing athletes. So again, you've had a very successful career here in sports and it's not an easy thing to do to make it this long in the sports industry. You know, for people who are looking to, you know, who have interest in sports and want to maybe try and pursue a career, what, what are some advice that you give to, to people just starting out in this industry? I think the advice is just do what you really love. There 
are great times when I get to be out at a baseball game and it's 70 degrees and sunny and it's a great day. You get to watch two baseball games. Hopefully everything goes well and it's pretty easy. Then there's days at maybe a men's soccer game when it's downpoured for four hours and it goes to double overtime and it's six hours of cold, miserable experience. But hopefully whatever I've done has helped our student athletes have a good experience, maybe get closer to a win somehow. So you do what you love, makes those days a lot less hard, but get experience too, whether it's volunteering, whether it's just being around athletics, whether it's at a high school level, college level, just get involved and find out ways you can contribute and get a wide range of experience. Going into grad school, I got a graduate assistantship at Bemidji State with NCAA compliance, and I really didn't know anything about NCAA compliance. But because I had a pretty wide, diverse background in athletics and things I could contribute, they saw that, they took a chance that I could help and fill in, help with compliance, help with other things. So you have that diverse background, I think you can offer an athletic department a lot. There's places like St. Martin's all over the place where we don't have 42 people in our athletic department to run an event. So if you are looking to get involved, those are always great places to start. Always universities, high schools looking for people to help as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fun chatting with you, and I'm sure we'll see you out at the games later this week. Sounds good. Thanks, Austin. All right, let's go ahead and and give a quick preview of those games coming up this week. Right now, as we're recording this podcast, the men's golf team up at Seattle U at the Red Hawk Invitational, they are the lone Division II program in that golf tournament. Some of the schools in there, Gonzaga, excuse me, actually Western Washington looks like they, they got in at the last second, so they're one of the lone Division IIs, but San Francisco, one of the nationally ranked teams, Washington, Gonzaga, like I said, Oregon State. There's some really good squads up at that Division I tournament. So that is happening as we're talking. Also coming up later this week, men's soccer taking on Pacific Lutheran on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. And then following that, we have women's soccer at Seattle Pacific on Thursday. Women's golf heading to Goodyear, Arizona. For the Palm Valley Classic, they will be on the road. Softball heading over to Central Washington on Friday and Saturday. Men's baseball hitting the road, taking on Western Oregon Friday, Saturday. And men's soccer will be at home. Their second game against Pacific Lutheran this week, Friday at 4 o'clock. Well, now one of my favorite times of the week and of the podcast, it's time to announce the Saints of the Week. And first on the women's side, she was unstoppable at the net. Kylie Kuhn, 12 kills on 26 swings, that 346 hitting percentage against a very good California Baptist defense. Kylie Kuhn is your Saint of the Week. And over on the men's side, taking first in two different events is Jack Farrell. Taking first in the 1,500-meter race with a time of 4 minutes, 1 second. And first in the 5,000-meter at 15 minutes, 47 minutes. So Jack Farrell and Kylie Kuhn are your saints of the week. 
And another thing that we're going to be starting on this podcast, go ahead and tweet at us at SMU Saints if you want to ask us some questions for the next podcast coming up. We love to answer some questions from some fans, so go ahead and tweet at us at SMU Saints, or you can go ahead and find us on Instagram as well. Well, that's going to do it for us here on this week of St. Martin's Athletics Podcast. I've been your host, Austin Burns, and we will see you next week. Go Saints!